Nexus Church is all about cultivating an authentic Christian community where old and young alike journey with Jesus and are transformed by the gospel. May we be challenged and inspired by the power of His Word. On worship, have you noticed a lot of the songs we're singing at the moment talk about rain coming, wind coming, and being blown over, and all these things? Have you noticed that's kind of a theme throughout a lot of the songs that we're singing? I believe that worship will always or will often be a reflection of where our hearts are at as a community, and it makes a lot of sense that those songs were written with this time in mind. And when I talk to a lot of you as we, as we sit together, and, um, and I know a lot of you as you speak to each other, you'll even talk about the fact that you're tired, you're worn out, you're kind of, you're kind of wrecked. The word busy, I don't know if I've heard the word busy so much in my life, but it's everywhere. And this is where we're at. And so it makes sense that we're singing these songs. And um, tonight we're going to jump into a passage that I know that you would have heard before, but I need to have a little bit of confession time before we jump into it. My, uh, I realised something about my personality this week, and, and that is, you know when lots of people talk about a movie and be like, you've got to see this movie. It is just the best movie. You have to go see it. When I hear that, I cross it off my list. I'm like, no chance. I'm not watching that. And that's all right. I was the same with the iPhone. When the iPhone came out, everyone's like, you've got to see this thing. It's like this big, you can swipe it. You look at it now and it was no good, but I just went, I will never own an iPhone because everyone loves it so much. Do you know, this isn't the best personality trait when you apply it to Scripture. And I realised this week I've done that and that's not okay. So this week I jumped into Psalm 23 and I've got to tell you that my life has been made all the richer because I jumped into it. You, you might have seen, and um, if you've ever seen me driving up here, you would have heard my car before you, you saw it because it whistles. It's, um, I pulled up next to a car this week and it was like this, I don't know, cars. It was a shiny thing that looked very fast. And my car really whistles. And so we were next to each other and he couldn't see me yet. And he took off and I took off and my car starts whistling and I see his head just spin around expecting to see something with some turbo something. But no, my friend, that's an i30, 30,000 Ks overdue for a service. And it is going well. I'm going to drive that thing to the ground. But if you have seen it, you'll see I've got a sticker on the back of it that says Ulladulla. And the reason I've got it there is Ulladulla is a place that's very dear to my family. I know it is for the McCrae's as well. We went there every year for Christmas. And there was something about driving into that campground, no matter what our year had been like. My dad worked really hard. We, we had busy lives, as many of us do now. It doesn't matter what the drive had been like. If, if my siblings and I had been getting into each other, if we'd been having a big fight, you'd drive through those gates of the Ulladulla campground and everything would make sense again. You'd, just, you'd take in this breath. It was like you'd, you'd gotten oxygen into your lungs for the first time in a year. And Ulladulla is that for my family. I want to encourage you that Psalm 23 can be that for you. Psalm 23 can be that thing that you hold on to and that you can really uh, allow to get into your heart and that every time you hear it, every time you read it, it can be that breath of fresh air that, that really lifts up your spirit. And so we're going to jump into it tonight because... I want to tell you that this psalm is a powerful psalm. So let's, let's read it together and then we'll jump in. Psalm 23. I'm going to read from the ESV version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. As a remix of the psalm. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, that's a psalm. So tonight, I'm only going to focus on the first three verses, I think. I'm only going to do a little bit of it because it, it is a very rich psalm. And I, I want to, basically the theme of this psalm, and particularly these verses, you basically need to know two things. Sheep and shepherds. Sheep and shepherds. They're the two major themes throughout this first bit. And, and again, this is written by King David, and he's a man that understood shepherds, because as a child, as a boy, he was a shepherd himself, and he understood what it was to take care of the sheep. And then as a king, to be a king, often the people of Israel would, would, would almost um, speak about a king like a shepherd. They used the word shepherd to describe a king, because what they would do was simply, essentially shepherd the people, the, the people of Israel. So David understood what a shepherd was, and he understood what the role of a shepherd was. You know, I don't think we really understand shepherds too well anymore, because we have these things called fences, and they keep all our sheep in. And interestingly, I would actually say, and I'm, I'm probably reaching a little bit here, but I would say often the barrier in our faith is that we view our faith with a fence mentality, and that we view it with morality and these kind of things. But with a shepherd, they didn't have fences. They would just walk with their sheep, and all of the fields were available to them. Any path was available, available to them, and it was up to the shepherd to guide them. And David understood this. The other thing is sheep. And sheep is something that many of us know about. I've, I've had a bit of an interesting experience with sheep. I grew up in Narandra and we, um, we had a little bit of property there. And there was a, there was a time when we had three sheep. It's um, a thriving farm, obviously, with three sheep. And they were, they were in our little tiny paddock. And I was pretty young. And it's a bit of a vague and blurry memory. But all I remember was one day there were some sheep in the paddock. And the next day they were strung up in a tree. <laughs> And it was kind of traumatic as a child, but they were then slaughtered and we didn't have any pet sheep anymore. And your parents can't really use the thing they've gone to the farm because they were on the farm. But anyway, that was my experience of sheep. But signs of the lambs, that's right, Cam. But there's something we need to know about sheep. And, and King David in this psalm, he's not talking about himself as the shepherd, although he probably could. He actually writes this psalm from the point of view of, of him being the sheep. And that's an important one for us to grasp. And uh, often when we speak about identity in, in our Christian walk, we like to think of things like a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a child of God, salt and light, we're redeemed, we're set free, all of which are true. But I think there's also an element in our identity that we're sheep. Because sheep, of all the animals, are probably the most vulnerable of any of them. You have a look at all the other ones. Sheep are not fast, so they can't run away to defend themselves. They don't have armour like an armadillo. They can't hide like an octopus. They can't, I guess, fight things off because they've got amazing talons. Essentially, they're a meat buffet covered in fairy floss. They're just rolling around hills ready to be eaten, and they are completely reliant on a shepherd. And David understands this when he pens this, this psalm. 
And before we do it, I, I want to explain. So I, I guess the reason I'd never really jumped into this psalm or never really loved this psalm is I'd heard it so many times. And you'd hear people kind of quote it and you'd hear these same words over and over. Uh, we're kind of limited in a sense because of our English language. We, I wish that our language could be a bit better, but oh well, it's what we've got, so that's how we're going to communicate. It, it's kind of like this. So we, we get to read translations. It's, it's not the original words that were there. So we're going to jump into a couple of those tonight. And I'm really thankful for people like David Lewis because they're very helpful with this stuff because I can go and say, what does this mean? And they're able to help me. It, it's, it's kind of like, imagine a spork. Or for those that were married in the 80s, a splayed, the thing that every married couple was given as a wedding gift. It's this thing that is, it works as a fork and also a spoon. Imagine that this is the original language. What you then have is your translators come along, they look at this thing as a spork and they go, what's the use of that? And they say, that's a fork. And then, so in their, in their translation, they'll write fork. And then another one will come along and say, no, 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 that's a spoon. So they'll write spoon. Both are true but neither capture the full meaning of what's going on because you can't eat a steak with a spoon, you can't eat soup with a fork. And so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to have a look at a couple of these words, understanding that there's a word written there and the translators have done the best that they can and, and often and most of the time, 99% of the time, it's absolutely the best word, but there's more for us and there's more that we can grasp. So as we jump through this, I just want to encourage you to allow that to really get into your spirit and go, okay, Lord, what are you saying here? Like what's, what's really going on? Because as you do that, I just, I guarantee that this psalm will be like Aladala is for me. It'll just bring a breath of fresh air into your lungs and it'll be something that you can go back to over and over knowing that it'll lift you up. Also, I shared, I don't know if you saw on Instagram this week, I shared Eliza King has written the most amazing song called I Shall Not Want and that's out of Psalm 23. So this week, if you hear nothing else, go home and listen to that song and just listen to it on repeat because that's how you get something like this into your spirit because we're meant to meditate on and things like this psalm. But uh, let's jump into it, understanding that the major theme is shepherds and sheep. So the first verse is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This verse basically speaks for itself. So David is setting it up saying that the Lord is his shepherd. Even though he is the shepherd, David, of Israel, he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I lack nothing. There's nothing that I will need. I don't think we need to do much more there. He then gets to this one. He makes me lie down in green pastures. So the word here for lie down is ravats. So it's a, it's a Hebrew word, ravats. And it means to stretch out. So when we read this, we just think of a sheep going to a green pasture and just lying down. This word ravats, there's, there's two types of traveling in the world. There's, there's those that travel for relaxation and there's those that travel because they want to get the most out of their money while they're overseas. And, and often this is the case for couples and you don't realize this until you're on your honeymoon and then one of you my wife wants to just lie on a sun lounge all day in the sun in front of the water, living life. Whereas me, because I've got a little bit of ADHD, I want to try everything out in that country. And so I'm trying to run around. And uh, we tried to compromise a little bit, but in the end, she just lay there and I hired windsurfers and just hoofed off in Thailand. But this word stretched out, it's like those people that are completely relaxed, completely content. They have everything they need. They just want to lie there and enjoy it. They've got their Christian lemon-lime bitters, love and life. You know, as Christians, we love, oh, Lord, a three lemon, lime and bitters today. Look at me go. 
And this is, what, this is what David is talking about when he says to be lying down, to be made to lie down. Because there's something interesting about sheep. When it's saying this, it's not that they're forced to lie down. It's that they're put in an environment or their circumstances which allow them to have complete relaxation. So there's, there's four things that require a sheep to feel like they can lie down and be comfy. Because of their timidity, they refuse to lie down unless they are free of all fear. Sheep, as we mentioned earlier, they're not very good at defending themselves. They're constantly worried about what's going to attack them, where they're going to get their next food from, where they're going to get their next drink from. They're constantly surrounded by fear. The next one is because of their social behavior within a flock, sheep will not lie down unless they are free from friction with others of their kind. How interesting. Sheep are like us. They don't want friction in amongst their relationships. They're a relational animal that they need to feel good about being in their flock. The third one, if tormented by flies or parasites, sheep will not lie down. Only when free of these pests can they relax. Lastly, sheep will not lie down as long as they feel in the need of finding food. They must be free from hunger. So lying down implies that sheep need to be free of fear, friction, flies and hunger. The shepherd cares for all of these things for them. And David understands this when he pens this psalm. Can I suggest it's the same for you and I? Can I suggest that, that maybe the reason we're feeling kind of at our wits' end and, and super busy and like we have no time is because we're not free of one of those four things? You know, maybe it's fear for you, maybe anxiety and, and the fear of the future is just keeping you stuck where you are. Maybe it's the unknown, maybe it's, um, maybe it's all those things in life that, that come at you. The scriptures tell us that we can cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for us. Maybe it's the second one. Maybe it's tension with those around you. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's those, those relational fractures that can happen in a community. I want to encourage you that being a part of the body of Christ means that it's our responsibility to care for one another. And if there's a relationship or, or something that's maybe a little bit broken, it's up to us to mend that. Because if you have those frictions within this, these walls and within this environment, it's going to be hard to relax and be restful. Maybe it's sickness and disease, and I know this one's real, and we were praying for that even earlier tonight. There's many people that are sick within our community, and when you have these things, or different types of torment even, it can be really hard to relax. And the last one is not being fed. You know, if you're not in an environment where you are being fed, you are not going to be able to rest. If you are not being filled up daily, you will not be able to rest. But when you allow Jesus, the good shepherd, in John 10, Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. When you allow him to provide all of these things for you, it's then that you're truly able to rest. It then goes on in the next verse, he leads me beside still waters. It's important to note here that the Good Shepherd leads us. He doesn't drive us. He doesn't make us do things. You've heard that saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. It's the same with us. He will lead us there, but he's not going to make us do it. He's not going to make us rest. He's not going to make us drink from the still waters. We recently got our, our puppy, Moose. Um, I didn't get a photo. I should because he's way better looking than Pastor Nathan's dog, but... Um, I'll bring one another time. But when he was a puppy, when he would drink, he's got these huge ears and he'd shove his whole face in the, in the bowl and his ears would go in the water and it was super cute. But I learned something about the way that dogs drink. 
Because I always thought they were just like cats. Because cats, I'm going to try to do this with my hands. So pretend my hands are tongue. Um, and they, what they, cats do is they kind of spoon the water and pull it into their mouth. And I thought, yeah, surely dogs are the same. That's what they do as well. If you have time this week, and I know you do, you need to go onto YouTube and look up slow-mo of dog drinking water. Oh, my goodness. It is the most amazing thing. Because what they do, because dogs can't stick their face in the water and drink like us because they don't have lips. Dogs with lips would be a weird thing. What they have to do is they have to use their tongue like a ladle. So cats go this way. Dogs go this way. So it's almost like a trunk. Do you understand what I'm doing? So this is a dog's tongue. And so they down and they like lap it up and they flick it into their mouth. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, James. It's incredible. It's a disgusting video, but kind of amazing to watch. And so now when Moose drinks, I get right down close to his bowl, just taking it in. But sheep are different altogether. Sheep require one thing to drink water, and that's for water to be still. That's for the water not to be rushing or turbulent. And so it's the shepherd's responsibility to take them past streams that have still water. And water is obviously an important thing, and, and thanks to the shepherds, they, they were master navigators. They knew where to go for the good water source, and so they would always lead their sheep past them. And maybe right now you're, you're going, yeah, but how does this apply to me? You know, my waters in my life aren't still. They're turbulent. My life's kind of crazy. We've got a lot going on at the moment. My family's falling apart. My relationships are breaking up. I'm dealing with some pretty mental health issues right now, some pretty heavy issues. Maybe my bills are, are piling up. Or maybe even going, I'm just making some dumb choices and I can't seem to stop. My addictions are taking a hold of me and I can't seem to break them. If you knew my life, you would understand that I don't have still water around me. I want to tell you, we can't confuse our lives with the waters that God is going to take us by. Because it's easy for us to think that because our life is turbulent, everything around us is turbulent. It's like if you're out in the ocean and you're swimming, if you start to drown, what do you do? You start flailing about, and that's when you start to sink. But when you relax, when you relax, that allows you to then float and be able to come through it. David would be able to say the same thing. King David, his life was engulfed by murder, adultery, treachery, his kids were killed, all of these things, he would very easily be able to say, you haven't seen my life, I live a turbulent life. But he understood that the good shepherd led him beside still waters to allow him to drink. And I want to encourage you tonight, no matter what you're going through, Jesus wants to lead you by still waters. He wants to lead you by waters that will allow you to drink and hydrate. And that's one of the things we really need. And I'm not going to go into detail about what that actually looks like. I've been really, I'm, I, this is a side note, but I've been really challenged by that this week because when we read the scriptures, we often want clear dot points of how do I put this into place? How do I make this really clear and how do I live this? But so much of the scripture is abstract. So much of it is left to our imagination. So much of it is left to the Holy Spirit speaking to us saying, this is what this is for you. And so I want to encourage you as I'm sharing these things to go, how is this true for me? What are those still waters that, that God is leading me by? And how can I take part in them? And so allow yourself to be led. He's not going to drive you. He's going to lead you. And then make sure you drink. That's the bit that is up to you. 
you have to make sure that you prioritize drinking that still water and allow it to hydrate you. In verse 3, it then says this. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores my soul. Man, I love this verse. I think this, if any verse, as Christians, this is a verse we need to really hold on to. He restores my soul. Again, when we read this, I think often we think of our mind, right? And we think, my mind is pretty turbulent, but he can restore it. He can refuel me. Again, we're going to jump into the original language because the original language for this he restores is shuv. And it's this, this word that is used right throughout Scripture whenever there's a shepherd or a lost sheep involved. And what it does is restores is good, but this word shuv is actually to bring back or to return to. And this picture, I believe, is such a powerful one for us as Christians because we can fall into the trap of thinking that when we come to church, we're coming to be refueled. We're coming to be filled up so then we can go out and use all our fuel again. But I want to encourage you that this isn't how Jesus works. What he does is, as he he looks across his flock, as he looks across the sheep, if he sees that one of his sheep is no longer with the flock, he leaves them. And I know you know this because we've sung songs about it. He leaves the 99 to find the one. He picks that sheep up, puts it on his back, and carries you back to the flock. Do you know there's nothing you have to do to be restored? Do you know there's nothing you have to be you have to do to be brought back into the community of believers? And I also want to acknowledge it's really easy to get off track. It's really easy to wander off the path he has for you. But it's all good. You don't have to find your way back because he's searching for you. And tonight, I just really want to encourage you as we're doing this, and I'll invite the band to come up and join me. I never like to preach long, I like to preach quick. Soulful chicken is calling. But as we're doing this, I really want you to reflect and, and even look at your own life and say, have I lost track? Have I lost contact with the rest of the herd, with the rest of the flock? Have I followed one of the other paths? And it's important to note, there's not two paths in life. There's not a good path and a bad path. There are paths winding in every which way. And the path you walk actually doesn't matter. All that matters is that you are with the good shepherd, that you are walking with Jesus. And tonight, if you reflect on your own life and go, yeah, I'm with him, I'm with Jesus, I'm under his eyes, he's, he's, he's looking out for me, I'm there right beside him, I want to say that's fantastic. But if as we read this and as we look at this, you go, no, I'm, I'm actually more like that sheep that's got a little bit lost. You know, I went off to try to find my own food. I went off to try to find my own water source. If that's you tonight, I want to encourage you that you're not lost for good. That the good shepherd is searching you out. He's coming to find you. And what he's going to do, he's not going to tell you, get back with the others. He's going to pick you up and he wants to carry you back and bring you back into his community and back into his flock. And this is what we all get as Christians. This is what we get through faith. We just get to be a part of it and we get to be under the care of the good shepherd. You know, that sheep that's gone off track, that's gotten lost, a traumatized sheep, What a shepherd would find in that instance is a sheep that's quivering, shaking, unable to care for itself and and probably making a lot of noise. 
And I know for many, of, for many of us, we've been in situations like that, where we just feel like there's no way out, where we don't know where to turn, we don't know what to do, and we, so we just feel stuck. We feel stuck where we are. And I know for some people as well, and I know this because I've lived this, there's almost a feeling of if you've spent that time stuck, you don't want to join the flock again because you feel like it'll take too long to catch up. You feel like it's, it's too hard to get back to where everyone else is and there's no way I can make up for that lost ground. I want to tell you, and I can tell you this because this has been my experience, when you allow the Good Shepherd to pick you up and to carry you back to the flock, there is no lost time. There is nothing that has been wasted. You haven't missed the boat. You haven't missed your chance. But just him taking you back to that flock, he'll put you exactly where you need to be. And when he does that, that allows you to stretch out. That allows you to relax. And that allows you to take in that water, that still water that nourishes our, sto- that nourishes our soul. In John 10, 9, it says this, I am the gate. This is Jesus speaking. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You know, he paid a cost and he paid a price so that you and I can be a part of his flock. He paid a price so that that we can have access to those green pastures. He paid a price so that we can drink from still waters. And tonight, if you're feeling a bit restless, if you're feeling a bit worn out, I want to encourage you to get into Psalm 23 this week, just to read it over and over and just allow it to really sink into your heart. You know, there's some scriptures that we actually need to hold on to and grasp. And, and I made the mistake before this week of going, oh yeah, Psalm 23, that's all good. But as I read it, man, it's been rich for my soul. I'm so pleased that I was, I was able to spend time seeing what is actually in there and understanding that, that this is who our Savior is, Jesus. He is the Good Shepherd. He's searching us out. He wants to pick us up and throw him on his back and return us to his flock. Because of him, we can have everything we need. We don't have to be fearful. We don't need friction amongst us. And those other things too that have left my brain. We don't need to be hungry, but they're all there for us. And so why don't you jump to your feet? Because I've, I've asked the band to, to sing this song. It looks like it's going to be me singing. Oh, no, Liz is here. Oh, thank goodness. That would not have been a good moment. But we've been singing that I belong to Jesus. And we sing that because he is the good shepherd. He is the shepherd for all of us. And within each of us, we kind of need to accept that there's a little bit of a sheep within us. That we easily lose our way, that that we are kind of defenseless. But because of Jesus, we can have everything we need. Because of Him, we can, we can have everything we need for our soul to be nourished. He looks after our physical needs. If you're sick tonight, He's the great healer. He can heal in a moment. Again, I've experienced this in my own life. And if that's something you're wanting today, our prayer teams will be down the front as they always are. But as we sing this, just take the time to reflect on your own heart and go, Am I still with the flock of sheep? Or have I, whether my fault, whether the fault of my own or not, have I kind of gone off track? Have I found myself out isolated like that traumatized sheep? And as we sing it, just allow your heart to respond to that. Thanks, team. 
We hope this message encouraged or perhaps even challenged you in your Christian faith. Our pastors meet regularly with people to pray and support them, and we extend this invitation to you. Please let us know if we can contact you to offer support. Simply call the office or visit nexuschurch.com.au.